Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Disruption Blueprint was previously known as War Room Huddle. Please continue to enjoy this content as you build your practice for the future. Welcome to War Room Huddle, where we empower independent financial advisors to be the CEO of their practice, not the COO. Today, we are joined in studio by Danny Martin and Chase Crump of WFA in Shreveport, Louisiana. Welcome. Thank you, We are so psyched you guys are here, and we're talking about one of the most important issues facing our industry, and that is succession planning. We all know the stats. Average age of a financial advisor is between 62 and 64 years old, and approximately 15%, that is 1-5% of them, have a succession plan in place. This really is the proverbial can that keeps getting kicked down the road. Uh, I was at a, a market council summit in December of 2019, and David Grau of FP Transitions sat on that stage and said, if you all think there is a blue wave coming, think again, because there is really a, um, a crisis facing our industry as I think advisors really struggle with how to, how to wrap their brains around planning a succession. It's an incredibly emotional, it's it, it, rot path to walk down. It, it, it calls into question not only your life's work, but your legacy. There are complex tax and financial and valuation factors at play. There is the need to have that next gen of talent in place to serve the clients and, and kind of continue the mission. I mean, there are so many variables that have to really be thought through in order to successfully execute a succession plan. And, and that's resulting in kind of not it not happening sure it not happening and you all actually are a success story you're part of that that 15 percent and have over the course of you know not just the last five years that the succession plan itself was executed but in the five years preceding that succession plan been a part of formulating a strategy to really continue the the mission and values of what was Williams Financial Advisors that is now WFA. And so today we're going to get into it and talk about what you've learned. You're next gen. You're, you, you really have a tremendous amount of insight to share with a lot of other advisors who are in a, a similar position to you are thinking about how to structure a succession plan, how to be the next gen, how to, you know, how to build on this this powerful foundation that has has been laid and 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 do it successfully and and in your own way it's not just about continuing to walk the path that's always walked it really is putting your kind of 
personal stamp on on that journey. So Chase, first up, just set the stage for us. Tell us about the history of WFA and and then we'll talk about the details of um, the succession plan itself. And to your first point, 15 percent have a plan in place, but I bet you the number of successfully implemented is probably lower, right? Like from start to finish. So the, the stats are even more shocking than they show up on paper. And as, as you're talking about it, and I'm thinking about what we experienced, it's um, if you are in our practice, if this is your career, you don't ever do succession, right? Like it's only like one time. It's kind of like retirement. You just like you cross that bridge and it's a one time thing way far out down the road. So it's normal for it to be uncomfortable. It's normal for it to be new. It's um, it's not an easy process. But I think at the end of the day, if you can as long as the process is symbiotic and everybody's winning, then it all will take care of itself. It just takes time. Um, the history, so Danny and I were friends long before we were business partners, which is cool. So we've shared a lot of life together, experienced a lot together, have um, done a lot together. Um, we got into the banking industry together. We're, you know, very low on the totem pole, got our, you know, cut our teeth in the banking system, learning the investment business. Uh, we were hired by Steve Carney, our third partner, into that system. We worked as a team in the Capital One banking system for three and a half, four years together. Uh, Steve was a top producer at that time, so he was an incredible mentor, gave us our shot to get into the industry, so we worked together for a while. I had <clears throat> I had a desire that the relationship should be deeper with the clients, right? Like I didn't understand, as I was working with clients, helping to invest money, I didn't understand why I, was, why I wasn't doing financial planning with people. I didn't understand why they weren't coming in re- regularly. We were sitting down reviewing their investments. They were talking to, you know, about their dreams and their goals in life and really diving into that. And then, you know, just through, you know, being in the industry, I felt being in the, at, with an independent practice was the best place to go after that, to have clients, serve clients, have a business. Um, saw an opportunity with Tommy at that point. So I left our team and joined them. Do you remember that? You remember? Yeah. He showed up to my house and and we had worked together and he walked in the front door. We hadn't even discussed any type of, uh, of leaving him. He walked in and he said, I just got to talk to you. And I said, you're leaving the bank, aren't you? He's like, how'd you know? I'm like, it was written all over your face. So it's it's just one of those little moments that you you look back and. You said you had saw like a missed call from Tommy. Yeah. And then knew that I'd been like kind of aloof out of the office trying to get that together. At the end, I mean, it's funny how things come full circle. So immediately as I transitioned out of, the, out of our team into that role and seeing all the opportunity uh, in the independent space, then it was just, I mean, we were still friends, still doing a lot together. So it was never, I never pushed y'all, yeah. but I was constantly saying, okay, when y'all ready? When y'all ready? Like, y'all need to come join me. We got a great thing going. Tommy has built a great practice. He's got to retire at some point. And like, let's get the band back together. Let's get the team back together. Yeah. And I kind of knew it was a matter of time. So eventually the banking system, the investment world in the banking system, just that's not a bank is a bank. A bank isn't an investment arm. They get they make their money off banking. They don't make their money off investment. So they changed that. Y'all needed a way out. So the timing was great. So Danny and Steve took the practice that they built at the bank, joined up with us. And then we've been operating for. I mean, together, how long has it been now? January of 15, so I guess six years. Yeah, going to six years. years. And then working together, you know, for 15 plus years. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that kind of brings us where we're at today. We, we bought the rest of Tommy's ownership out November 1st, so he's officially retired as of today. And Tommy and Steve and I own and operate the practice. What I think what's interesting is that, you know, our partnership with URFG's partnership with WFA actually began at the start of Tommy's journey for right. succession planning. So mm -hmm. that, you know, that first conversation at the time, our founder, RFG's founder, Bobby White, my partner, uh, was at LPL. Tommy was at LPL and right. they had a conversation around, you know, Tommy had decided very he very forward thinking advisor always has been. It's why he built such a successful firm had decided like, I need to be thoughtful and intentional about my succession planning as intentional as I've been in building for the last 30 years, I need to be intentional and in thinking about what this, how this tra will transition. And this, this predates me joining RFG, right. but Tommy and Bobby decided RFG would buy a 5% stake right. in WFA just to really kind of get that ball rolling. And at that time, Chase, you also bought in right. to the firm. So this, this very, you know, kind of first preliminary, what I would say, dip your toe into the water. There wasn't enough money changing hands that no one could walk away, right? You could still unravel that deal right. if things went horribly sideways. But it started the conversation. And, and one thing that I was really impressed when, when I kind of kind of entered the picture was that there was a, a heartfelt desire to plan it. Like Tommy yeah. was a planner at heart. Right. Yep. And he's like, we're going to go through planning this. But to go from that first investment to what you just said, which is in November, you know, the final tranche of Tommy's ownership stake was right. uh, was purchased and, and he retired at the end of the year into a consulting role. A lot transpired. So was that that 5%? Um, wasn't that more of a protective feature? So if something happens to Tommy that you guys as a bigger firm could have, you know, the practice would have continued running. Exactly. There was no revenue really changing nope. hands or anything like that. It was strictly more of a of an insurance policy really is how the conversation started. Yeah. Well, and, oh, good, sorry. No, that's, that's it. And getting in the business together, I thought that was like, yeah. I, like a really, like 5% of the company and they didn't expect any revenue out of it, but it got us engaged where it was more than just us in the office, the local office, trying to plan it all. That brings you all to the table and we're doing a lot more work together than just the succession planning. But I think it just started the relationship and even, before that, before that work started, Tommy was always very mad, adamant about getting the valuation every year. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different ways that you can cut the succession. There's no just one way you can do it. And so we worked with FP Transitions on how they would structure it. We um, looked heavily at going to another wirehouse, Merrill Lynch, Raymond James. We went through all that and we just couldn't find a way that fit until we started doing business together. And y'all helped us see it another way, not not doing a succession, not going through a succession and not having that experience. It's like, it's hard if you've never done it to do it. So to not know that there were other ways that we could do it or structure it just didn't really occur to us. So, right. When we partnered with RFG, got Tommy and Bobby together, it was really fairly simple. Yeah. The idea is not complicated, but just like you said, planning, taking small steps. I think if you can start early enough and, just make it important that you're doing work around it, communicating it, and you're making small steps year after year, 
you look up and it's done, yeah. you know, and it will fly by. But it's such an important piece. If you're in our practice, you have to plan for this. Like, why would you work your entire life and not prepare yourself to capitalize on what you've built? Capitalize right? too. And then also Tommy's got, you know, he clients for 30 years. Absolutely. And just because he wants to retire or move on to his grandchildren and travel and stuff like that, you, you still got clients that need income and you don't just get to walk away. Right. And it's just real hard to pair the two. So uh, it was, it was a lot of planning. It's interesting to look back as we sit here and go, how do we go from five to, you know, a hundred? Yeah. And um, it's been a fun so, run. You know, take us through, Danny, through that journey, like really roll the clock back because so many, what I'd call small mountains had yeah. to be climbed in order to get to a place where the clients were in a really good place where you and, and your third partner, Steve, were ready to assume that leadership ownership role. Just walk us through the history of those those mountains. Yes. So we, uh, I guess you guys, you know, the first 5% was bought and 10% for Chase. So Tommy basically owned 85 at that point. Uh, when Steve and I came over in 15, the whole goal, you know, Chase couldn't lie to me about WFA. I mean, Steve and I looked at every different agency, Cantor Fitzgerald, the bank channels, you know, Jones, a bunch of different areas. And, and I, I just couldn't we were friends. I knew how he treated clients. I knew how he operated. He just couldn't fake it. And so, you know, I told Steve, I said, look, I'm going to go over there and, and work with Chase. I would love if you came. And Steve said, you know, I'll do it, but we got to bring April too, who's our, you know, admin for 16 years. And so the, the part of that, when we sat down at that initial, um, I guess, agreement table, is, you know, we're going to do what we can to bring our current clients because we didn't want to leave them behind there. But ultimately, I want, I'm an entrepreneur and business owner at heart. Like, I want the opportunity at some point to own something, a piece of it, you know, like a CPA firm. I just want to partner behind my name, whether it was just for my own, you know, clout that I, that I just did, like that was the success, you know, that's what you think. Um, but really, it became way more than that as far as just making decisions. And, um, you know, being a the decision maker or even leader, both in the office, but emotionally and just culturally and stuff like that. So after, I guess, maybe two and a half years, um, we structured a deal with with you guys where I think Steve and I each bought five percent. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're able to, you know, basically, you know, buy another 10 percent from Tommy, which is great for him. He gets to, you know, capitalize on, on his company and put a little bit of money in the bank. Uh, we're able to achieve ownership. Um, and so we did that, I guess, for, you know, a couple of years. That was, I guess, would have been the second mm -hmm. tranche. Yeah. And then a few years later, or maybe a year later, we decided that in our business, right, you, you get you get paid by the clients, right? So you get um, fees or commissions or whatever, however you want to you want to break it down. There's always this payout type of thing. And in any business, when I feel like there's ownership, it's got to be mutually like I, w I couldn't go into business with everybody. I mean, we literally share revenue. And right. if Chase doesn't work or I don't work or Steve doesn't work, we have as business owners, we have to be comfortable going, you know, I signed the paper. And so it really took a lot for us to go, okay, it's not so much my personal production anymore. It's the group as a whole. And so we came to an agreement where I believe at that point, uh, I'm five, Steve's five. Chase is 10. So he sold 20% of the business. He sold 20%. And we ended up, um, I think, going uh, what I picked up in maybe another eight. Steve picked up another five. So it wasn't big chunks. Uh, and we were able to restructure 
you know, for about a year and a half. But what that really did was was get us involved with the clients, right? So when we joined in 15, Tommy really was kind of out of the client taking mode. Um, he just, he'd done it. He's, he's been, he spent a lot of time in the business and working with clients. He just wanted to kind of, you know, his bandwidth wasn't there. And so we were brought on, we started working with new referrals that came in, but really it was a three-year process of getting to know his clients, you know, the transition of, uh, from the Tommy advisor to me and Chase and Steve. And when that process, when I felt comfortable that, okay, the clients are in great position, we've got good relationships. I mean, now even it's some of the clients that we work with that were Tommy's, we have such good relationships. It feels like they've been right. clients of mine for 15 years. And so there was just something at one point that clicked. We, maybe we were sitting on our advisor trip and it was like, look, it's like, we're ready. And, you know, Tommy, this was actually about a, maybe say, mid mid 2021 is when he wanted to to do right. it we walked up we we're literally we we're at a, at a, a valentine's day event for our for our lady our, was it mother's day it was some ladies event uh, that we had at a tea room and 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 tommy will tell you this he walked out and chases out of nowhere goes hey i think we want to buy the rest of your business and i'm like you know wait hold on wait it's like chase you need to be more strategic yeah, about yeah. It. like no i just it was on my mind <laughs> yeah like, i decided to put it out there i gotta get it out there and so from that point it was just out there and, and it was in public and we ended up you know working a deal um to buy the remaining 22 percent. so now me chase and steve uh you know on the majority of the business obviously you guys are partnering with us which we couldn't be more thrilled about i don't see that you know uh changing hands anytime soon it's it's been a well, I know from it. our perspective is, is, you know, when, as we took our, as we increased our ownership stake, it was incredibly important to us that you and Steve became equity owners. Like mm -hmm. our mindset around it was, and always is, as we think about succession planning, and I, I believe you touched on this without using these words, which is the art of the possible. Yeah. Like these are businesses <laughs> that are evolving and changing and to have this notion that you're going to get out, you know, and you're going to chisel these agreements in stone and everything is going to remain static yeah. is just a fallacy. Yeah, I mean, too these are, there's too many variables. And so as, as, as you all became more comfortable with your ownership stake and assuming that leadership, RFG's ownership in WFA has increased all the way up to 51% and is now right. decreased all the way back down into a minority position. Right. And that was always the goal was how can we help you navigate this path and help Tommy navigate this path where he can accomplish what he needs to accomplish in terms of the, 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 the realization of the enterprise value of the firm that he founded right. and how can you all be in a position to be the majority owners and really in a position to build the firm to the next level and really right. create that that next phase. And I think that was, you talk about the small mountains. I think to me, that was a small mountain. Y'all buying 51% was a little scary to me. Yep. Thinking that, yeah, you know, I as a business that. owner standpoint, and like, um, do we lose? Do we have not have any control yeah. or say? Or, or is this really going to work out as well as it has? You know, we don't. You don't know all those. Yeah. And all you, and all y'all kept telling us was, look, guys, we want y'all to own the practice in the long run. But it just, with the money that was exchanging hands on, on those deals, it just made sense for y'all business wise. And y'all, I mean, there couldn't be anything further from the truth of what y'all have told us. So now we sit at a point from that point in time, two or three years later, and y'all have helped us do exactly. Which y'all told us to do, and I think that's a good point when we were talking about buying out 
the tranches. It wasn't just us buying small pieces. Y'all provided the capital for the founder to get to take some chips off the table um, where we didn't have the capital, the after-tax capital to do that. So I think that's an important piece in that uh, too. Um, very important piece. I think another small mountain, I was concerned about the clients transitioning. Yeah. That couldn't have been easier, yeah. you know, because basically for 30 years, they've been well taken care of. We were, we were involved enough, whether it was the social events or whatever we were doing to get in front of the clients, learn about our clients so that we didn't work with directly, but eventually would. Um, and I think it's all for Tommy in Tommy's case, I think a little bit of it was in his head, right? Like, all of our clients expected Tommy to retire at some point. So it was much less about him retiring and walking away and go and walking to retirement, do what he wants there, but making sure there was a well-laid game plan. He was always concerned about the clients, which is always. what you should be, but right. he was always, that was the main focus is I can't walk away because I'm not sure they're going to be taken yeah. care of. For, and that's really just an intrinsic, I would feel the same way about, you know, the clients I've got now. So it, it was, I agree with you. Um, and it's yeah. it. They just wanted to know that there was a team there to keep supporting them, right? They trusted that Tommy was going to give, you know, advise them into retirement, through retirement, into life, you know, estate planning, beneficiary planning, and all that's still going to happen. If he would walk away and there isn't, like you said, there isn't a next generation to take over, then I, I could see how that would become problematic, right? But um, I think as we've now been working with his clients for two years now, I really think that's why it's been such an easy transition. And the staff, too. So we've got Sharon and Debbie and Amanda and Nicole. Yeah, and April. wonderful I mean, team. Yeah. They've been there for so long that, you know, there's there's many conversations that happen between clients and them that we don't ever even know about. And so it's yeah. interesting they'll say, is, you know, is Sharon still going to be there? Or, you know, right. it's like, they don't care about who the right. advisor is. Don't yeah. take my distribution away. <laughs> right. So um, that's something that we didn't really overlook, but you don't really, you don't realize how powerful that is until until it Tire happened. So it. that was a big, and he, you know, he created that and he brought right. them, we were sitting at lunch and it's like, we could not recreate right now what we've got without spending an extraordinary amount of time and money to build what we were in, in the, the position to basically, you know, take over. Right. Um, and that's powerful. And, and, it is. and what's interesting to think about is the succession plan itself, like just the execution of equity stakes changing hands and having that you know very well articulated plan for transitioning client assets and just the you know how the team is organized that took five years yeah right and there were another you know several years before that as Tommy had to go through the you know the calculations of bringing you on and then, you know, trusting you to recruit Danny and right. and Steve to the team. So if you really, you know, take a step back, it took seven to 10 years. Definitely. I was about to say, at least give yourself 10 years so you can, I think it gives you enough time to change direction if you had to, go back to the drawing board if you had to, and really just figure out what's best for everybody, right? Like it gives you time to do it. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you, if you're second generation like us, like, and you're young and you're just starting your career, you unlikely have the capital to do it, right? You're still building your own foundation. Right. So that a longer period of time gives it just, some, I think it increases the probability of it continuing to, like you keep going further down the, the track, right? Mm -hmm. You keep making progress on it if you have time that you can, that you're just dedicated, that you're working on it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think, you know, as, as the, you know, my bird's eye view on this, there were a lot of things that Tommy did right. Mm -hmm. Like one of them was obviously picking the next generation, seeing the talent in you and the alignment in terms of client uh, focus and all of those things. There also was this intentionality around valuation. So he had reasonable expectations mm -hmm. of what the practice was worth and didn't feel right. like I have to squeeze every drop out of this orange in order right. uh, to make this deal happen. Like he was collaborative, I mean, and, and very fair about right. thinking yeah. about valuation. And that's important. Like, right. of course, the, you know, you can go out and, and, you know, go through the process and sell the firm to the highest bidder. But I think to him, he had, you know, he, he wanted to continue his legacy in Shreveport. It was very important to him that there were advisors in Shreveport from Shreveport that were taking care of the clients and going to build right. the footprint. So there were a lot of things that went into his decision making that allowed, you know, for the success to unfold. He'll tell I'm gonna cut you off. He'll tell you a little bit. We've got a relationship with a CPA who's on our advisory board, Chase's you know, great client, uh, owner of a big firm there. And I don't know the exact words, but basically Tommy and Chase were looking at, you know, Big, big chunks of money. I mean, hard money yeah. to walk away from. Yeah, from the warehouses, a lot yeah. of money on the table. And but Tommy and Chase really, Chase said, "I'm not. I don't want to work for anybody. Like I, I don't care how much money. I would. I want to work for myself and control what what I can control. And and I guess I can advance. Um, and basically told Tommy, he said, "How much is your time worth? Like you're going to get all this money, <clears throat> but then you've got to give up seven to ten years of your life. Is it worth the money?" And the answer to that was no, you know, I mean, you get a bunch of money, but then you got to give 10 years. So him making that just that one small decision, leaving a bunch of money on the table to make sure that only, you know, that his clients were taken care of. But he also had quality of life, right. too, was one of the, right. the main ones that he made that most people would probably have a tough time making. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, um, there were, you know, it wasn't all smooth sailing. This wasn't something where you just like, you know, cruised into the sunset with a pina colada in your hand. I mean, there were some some rocky days. Talk to us about as a partnership, how you worked through those challenging times and were able to keep your kind of eye on the ball. I mean, we were always communicating. Yeah. Like we were always communicating. And I think it was, you know, me, Danny and Steve, we're the buyers. You know, so we're working together, and I feel like we had a good understanding. And it was a math problem for us, yeah. right? I mean, here, here's the here's what it's going to cost us to do this. Here's what we're going to, you know, earn from the, the deal. If the math just didn't work, we would have had to walk. So there had to be some type of, you know, I guess, agreement. Mm -hmm. And luckily, those numbers pretty much worked out, you know, right. exactly as they should. But, you know, like Chase said, me, me him, and Steve, you got to pick the right people. I mean, you, we had very candid conversations about, you know, what was going to happen. And um, like I said, it's my largest investments, Chase's largest investment. I mean, it's, it's very serious. And to have those open conversations, but you got to think you move with the broker dealer change, the right. industry change, the fiduciary rule came into play. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of moving parts, the technology. I mean, RFG basically said, yeah, you know, let's hire Shannon and Rick and let's rechange our investment platform. And looking back, we would not be where we are without all those changes. But going through it, you know, every year it seems like it's going to be the year with, you know, 2020 was going to be the year with no no, change. no changes and no hiccups. And uh, there was none so internally, so but you see what happened. So, 
Um, well, you know, we were always making progress, I yeah. feel, as I was thinking through that. Like, we never got, if we ran into a situation like with Meryl or Raymond James where it just didn't look like the right fit and that structure just didn't look right, well, let's go back to the drawing board and keep moving down the line and keep moving and like buying a small stake in ownership. I think that was so important, one, to take a seat at the table, mm-hmm. to put some skin in the game, to start thinking as a business owner now, not just as that you're getting a payout as an advisor. Um, and then working every day in that mental state, if you're working on that for five, how long have we been working on it, five, six, seven years, I think that helps a lot too. It helps that, okay, even if there was a disagreement on something or we didn't all see it eye to eye, we are all business owners. We're trying to make good business decisions uh, together and make decisions that help everybody. So, I mean, thinking about like if I was worried that it would never happen, I was never worried that it wasn't going to happen. Time was was on our side, though. Like I always knew that, I mean, we we got plenty of time. I mean, we, time, we would sit in the conference room and we go to these conferences and, uh, you know, we're, we've been in business 15, started in 06. So it's 15 years, Chase about 15 years and we're still fairly young advisors. And so we'd go to these conferences and all they would talk about is succession plan, the next gen. And Tommy would, would you know, would get in the conference room and, and he would go, guys, I mean, we, you know, there's technology changing and the business is changing and there's there's you know we got to watch out for these young advisors coming in that are real good with technology and have a bunch of experience and i'm like like we're those we are those people like we're the people that we're that we're concerned about and so i think that at some point if he realized like okay like we i'm not scared to lose like we're gonna pick up clients due to you know people like tommy getting out of the business and retiring so that was kind of a moment in time where we where we realize, like, wait, hold on, like we are the people that they're talking about on stage. We don't really right. have to protect against that. So, yeah. and to that nature, I never really thought it wouldn't go through either. Now, the timing of it, you know, yeah. uh, it happened faster looking back than I thought it would. Yeah, but it didn't seem like a very fast. It really uh, happened easier, I thought, yeah. than than I thought. I don't think it was difficult as long as you were committed. We were all committed mm-hmm. to the same thing. Yep. I think if you have, if you're all on the same, if you're playing on the same team. Uh, want the same end goal, then it becomes easy. And then my point on, uh, like, we had time, but you take somebody in Tommy's position, if you are towards the end of your career, you don't have time. Like, now time is even more of the essence that you can plan and make sure everything op- everything unfolds like you wanted to because it takes time. I mean, even if you decided today that you wanted to retire, just the transition of your clients to whoever's taken over would take a year to two years minimum get started just take some small step in that direction it could be as easy as getting evaluation it could be as easy as reaching out to rfg uh getting y'all's insight on how to structure deals y'all have plenty of uh experience with that i mean you'll get so much even if it's a phone call or video chat you can give so much great advice to get people thinking along the right lines uh and, and having the right train of thought to make it actually happen are you an advisor looking to make the move to independence RFG Advisory is an innovator in the wealth management industry with a winning culture and a fully integrated tech platform designed to help advisors take their practice to the next level. Let us get to know you at rfgadvisory.com. All right, so now, you know, you've gone through this process of the succession plan and you're really on the other side. So Tommy retired 
and you've taken over. He's now in a consulting role. How has the day-to-day of the firm changed now that the founder is no longer running the Monday meeting and a part of every decision? I think some things will always stay in place, right? Like the things that have built the business and made the business what it is, the systems, the processes, the client service, like that'll never go away. Uh, I mean, that's like the whole, that's a hallmark of our business. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the part of the legacy that's staying. I would say we're probably, we're bringing to the table just our age, our demographics, where we're coming from. It's probably a little more relaxed, right? Um, I watch, I see the team as we're like dressing a little more business casual. They're dressing a little more business casual. We got Pandora and iTunes going in the lobby now. So if you walk in, we got music streaming. We got my girls are up there a lot, running around, making chaos up there. Trying not to do it when clients are coming in, but they're around there. You know, that's that's different. We were, Nicole, one of my team members bought some puppies and needed it. She's a full-time mom, full-time job. I mean, bring the puppies in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, bring the we puppies in. We need music in. and animals in our yeah. And uh, <laughs> just to see, like, the little breaks, I would I would be work. I'd work for an hour. And I would get up, go across the hall. I'm like, I need a puppy break. Where's these? Where's where's the puppies? I had I, I had a call. Nicole thought I had a call one time, and she's like, Can you just hold the dog while you're on your call? No problem. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I'm on the call, and she walks in ten minutes later. It's a Zoom call. So I've got my, a client who lives in uh you know in the in the Florida Georgia area, and I'm holding the, the puppy. And Nicole's like, Are you on a Zoom? I'm like, Yeah, but she's cool with it. It's fine. You know, take your <laughs> take your dog. So it has definitely got uh, definitely. I think life. well, in last last Friday we had our first like brainstorming session with local business owners mm-hmm. so we got three or four just of our they're not clients but they're really just part of our network really it's anytime we get together we're talking about business whether they're running a restaurant or flying planes or I mean, whatever they're we're just getting together so we got music like fr- friday at three offices closed it's happy hour we got mm-hmm. we bring those people in we sit down have some drinks just conversate have fellowship talk about business talk about struggles like we didn't do that before, and I think um, you know us now calling the shots is uh, there's a lot of you were always guess, a little hesitant to talk, you know, not talk, but just you know when you when you're not the owner, right? You, you're kind of hesitant to give yeah. your opinion or what you think, just you know, of how it's perceived, or maybe it's not as good of an idea. And now it's if, if we don't make the decision, yeah. or Steve doesn't make, then nothing gets done. So you right. kind of have to. And if you got to make the decisions, and you might as well make the ones that you're comfortable with and that you believe in i mean that was um you know that was that was kind of uplifting i do think you know bringing more of if i look at tommy and i look at like my dad you're maybe not your dad but like he started the business at our age right right so like we've got 15 years of experience and in a way we're starting a business at about the same time he did Mm -hmm. we're just fortunate enough to have this base under us to focus on that base so uh, the fundamentals, you know, of the, of the office as far as, you know, communication and the, and the birthday cards and decline events and the videos and like, none of that's going to change. And the value alignment. Yeah, just yeah. of what the firm really brings. But if you look at Facebook or you go to, you know, the, the uh, tech office, I mean, there's playgrounds in their buildings, there's workout rooms, there's music plant. Like, it's just a different mm-hmm. type. We want to bring more. Not that it was bad, but we just culture like happiness. We want people there all the time working and just enjoying what they do. You know, Nicole sends me a picture of her in the carpool line with her Surface Pro. We've coronavirus, uh, COVID is really kind of shaking up the office. You know, we we go through March and we decide 
you know, we got to shut down for a little bit. Let's go remote as everybody did. And we literally, within about two days, <clears throat> had Surface Pros. We went to a, you know, a one staff for four hours, you know, per day. So eight to yeah, 12, like 12 schedule. to four. We're, we've kind of stuck with that. I mean, and you look up and it's interesting now. Everybody's will be at the office. I'm like, well, like, what's everybody doing here? You know, and they, they got work to do. So people have, have started to just work when work needs to be done and not just to for work's sake. And yeah. so I think that's that's allowed them, at least from my viewpoint, uh, the team is a lot happier. Um, the the communication between them, because you have to, if you're not all sitting in the same room, you have to communicate. You know, we, we do reviews as office. It's a different, completely different feel than it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, it's just a more casual, uh, mission focus, vision focus, like just everybody's on the same ship going this way. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily all just where's the next client and, you know, where's the next client and, and where's the next client. And that, that just kind of feeds, um, feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. Agree. I think you guys were really intentional about carving out time for offsites, really thinking about your rebranding, you know, to go right. from Williams Financial Advisors was, is is very well recognized mm -hmm. in Shreveport, and to say, okay, how does this get modernized? Mm -hmm. How do we kind of take ownership of the branding? Mm -hmm. Going to WFA, the new Tree of Life as mm -hmm. a as your visual logo, the Plan Invest Inspire, like you really, as you were thinking about the succession planning. It was so multifaceted. There was how are the clients going to be cared for and what is that transition in just terms of who's running point mm -hmm. on that relationship. Mm -hmm. There was the extension of mission, vision, values. There was branding involved. There was how are we going to communicate as a team? How are we going to run Monday meetings? Mm -hmm. I mean, you really have when you think about all the steps to the, the successful execution of mm -hmm. a succession plan. Like I always say, the easiest part of this is the money part. Yeah. Like what's the valuation? Yeah. We, can, we can all do that all day long. Right. Yeah. The hard part of this is all the emotion and the ego and the intentionality right. around what's the desired outcome. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, the Buddhists talk about the ego attaches itself to things. Like that's what causes misery in our life. Whether it's, um, you know, your dog, your animal passes away and you attach a lot to that animal and that attachment what is what creates the issue with the animal or the being that's passed like they're in a better place right like to them there's no suffering there's no pain like they're in a good place but you are left in a painful place because you've attached your own ideas to what that is business think of what you put into your business into your practice i mean it's a blood sweat and tears for 30 40 years i mean think of what you attach to that um I think uh, taking a step back and realizing it's not about just you, you know, really, it's about the clients. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, there's 750, 800 different families we serve. Mm -hmm. That's really the focus. So like, we, like we're saying, as long as there's a plan for them to take care of, uh, for, for them to be taken care of, and then everybody that's left behind is put in a good position to keep further growing our careers, um, keep directing the business where we want it to go, it does. It, it just, it takes time. But I, to your point on sitting down and doing that collaborative work or that big, 
that bigger picture thinking is so important. And like we we sat in November and just took half of a day and did it. It doesn't it doesn't take a long time to do it, but it's so important if you're in our practice to sit down and give a little bit of time to that. Just even if it's just once a year, because you, you will look up and the years will go by, the days will go by, the years will go by. And you might be happy with where you landed, but you might not. And with a small amount of time, a small investment, it doesn't even cost any money to do it. You can sit down and collaborate and strategize off where you where do you want your practice to go? What do you want your life to look like? How do you structure? And I think if you give yourself, like we said, if you give yourself time to do that, the earlier you start, the more the higher the probability that you're gonna hit all the different bogeys that you want and everybody is happy in the end. So I'll take it a different route too. So everything that you're talking about comes from the owner selling the business. If you're listening to this like us, if you're a younger advisor, like now we've, we've done it once and we did it with our own firm, but why couldn't we do it to another firm? Like there's other advisors out there wanting to retire, right? So if you're a younger advisor that's in the business, start that conversation, find an office, find a mentor, find a business that you think in your city that's run well, that has an, an advisor that at some point wants to retire, which is all of them. Right. And just walk up to the office, knock on the door and say, hey, I like what you've done. Um, is there have you thought about succession planning? I could potentially maybe be interested in either working with you or buying your business. Like as a younger advisor, you don't have to wait for the for the, the retiree to show up and try to sell their business. Go in there and, and just bring up. Yeah. You'd be surprised, I bet, how many you know technologies change. And Tommy always said he had three or four changes. Right. So like. He's not interested in learning all the new technology. He's just not. And that's fine. He doesn't have to be. Whereas for us, it's just a natural. It makes, you know, like I said, we can go farther faster. But that would be my other thing. You know, we focus so much on the person with the business. If you're a younger, younger advisor, um, especially female, I think there's a lot of room for for females in our business to, you know, serve clients. It, it's a very underserved profession, I guess, mm -hmm. from the female advisor, but I would strongly recommend find somebody whose business you like, knock on their door and, and start yeah. the conversation. Start a conversation, yeah. Well, and it's it's so great now because we have some great firms in, you know, David DeVoe's shop and Park Sutton and, um, you know, there's, there's all these investment banking firms that are really focused on helping advisors to execute. The FP Transitions is obviously out there. Um, you have, you know, Advice Dynamics is out there. Like there are great firms that advisors can turn to mm -hmm. to get that ball rolling. But I think sometimes even that yeah. is a scary step. Like, oh, I don't know if I have all that financial information and demographic information on my clients and I'm going to have to put together all this data mm -hmm. and it just becomes so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And and then we find ourselves right back in that well, proverbial so camp. Nothing gets done. Nothing yeah. gets done. Well, no. that goes important that you tech. So like pre-RFG for us, we, it would, our research analyst, it would take Amanda probably two, three months to gather the stuff for a good valuation. Now we have it in Every 10 Monday. seconds yeah. on, <laughs> on Orion, yeah. you know? So like think how powerful that is. Right. I mean, just. Uh, and I think that's it. It's like we put up all these false flags like, oh, I don't want to do I don't want to call an investment banker. I'm going to do all this work. It's like that's all just fear talking. That's, right. you, you really know. don't want to know what it's worth. I mean, it, it, you know what I mean? Like a lot of like I said it in the in the first, I guess, interview is you've got to be honest with yourself. And so if, if you know, we think the business is worth 100 million dollars. 
and the valuation comes back at one or two or <laughs> four, like there's a big disconnect. So I'm, I'm sure there's there's a lot of um, nerves out there between people. Actually, when they get to the point and that valuation number pops up, then that's just a starting point. And you really maybe don't you, you don't want to know what that is if you really ask yourself deep down. And so I bet that stops a lot of people from doing it. Well, you're making a good point. I think of my own experience, the valuation was and we're doing it every year, even before like. So I think we get like four or five years of valuations talking about it before we work with y'all into that like middle of that decade period. Well, you're just doing the valuation. Just if you just do that step as a business owner, mm -hmm. think of what you learn about the business. You actually, it forces you to learn the demographics of your business, the makeup of your business. It teaches you what's valuable, what right. what would make your business more valuable in the long run. Yeah. Uh, and you can take all that data and start applying it in good ways to help your clients, to help your business, to build value. I mean, um, and that's as easy as making a call to FP transitions and letting them do the work, right? And if you got some sort of tech, or if you're with RFG, of course, it's very easy. Or if you got Orion, everything in Orion, you can pull out that data mm -hmm. and know what your business is worth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's an important piece of it. Yeah, well, and it, it just, it is, it is reaching crisis level. And you know, it, some advisors would say it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah because we're going to win the business anyways. Right. Like these yeah. advisors who aren't proactively looking at succession, those assets are transferring and the, the next gen advisors yeah. are yeah. positioned to be like the beneficiary. Like why would we buy it when we're going to get yeah. it anyway? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so to your point, Chase, as, you, as you're thinking about this succession planning, it is really important to understand what is the value of the business and not just the dollar monetary value, right. but the composition of clients and the 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 attribution of revenue sources of revenue and the growth and the age and the just what is the value being mm -hmm. delivered are we doing comprehensive planning how are we thinking about the service model so it it we're at such an interesting time in terms of agree. the age of advisors and this generational wealth transfer and the convergence of those two things right yeah it's a fun time. It's a it's a great time. Anything else that you would offer up advice wise uh, for, you know, advisors in your position wanting so, to execute a succession plan? I just think there's a lot of change happening. Right. So there's you just got to be you know, there's certain steps of change. Which I, you know, I wrote this down this morning, just listening to it while I was, you know, getting ready to, to come here. You've really just got to be aware of what's going on out in the community. Right. So you've got to you've got to really understand, like, what how do I feel like what's going on with me? And then what's going on around me, like the industry's changing. Maybe I have a family or I don't have a family or my family's now in college. So I've got more time to work on my business. Right. So you just be aware of what's going on. Pay attention, you know, to to the details of the basis. Like once you're aware of your of the changing in the industry, then you got to pay attention and always underline pay. Right. Like it, it costs you something like it costs us a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort to put all this stuff together. But when things are changing, if you're aware and you pay attention to what's going on, then right, then you've got attitude, right? So the same thing I said, success is going to be built off of the, the things that you put into it. You're not, you don't just wake up one day and go, well, that was, you know, it just happened. <laughs> I'm a success. Yeah. And so success, as Winston Churchill says, success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And so you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down. But when things are changing, think of the broker dealer change or the, you know, I mean, trade tickets. We thought that was going to be the end of our business. Well, then 
here we go with no trade fee investments, right? It was it was literally a non-event and we spent so much time. Um, avoidance. So in, in business and in life, stay away from the things that aren't good. Like don't spend your time on non-profitable activities, right? So if, if the house is burned down, you don't want to just sit in the house and say, I wonder how long I can sit here. Like just get out of it and then a, a, a add something to it. So if you're going to take something away and you're going to avoid the danger, you've got to add something back, you know, either a new habit or reading a book, a new employee, a new, you know, whatever it is, meditation, music, something like that. Accountability. That's really the number one thing. Tell somebody, get it out there, be, you know, hold yourself accountable, but then also have other people that can hold you accountable. And then last, which is interesting enough, a house habit is to applause, right? So you got awards, RFG, good job, you know, good job on the video, good job on the business. Thank you for have someone there, whether it's your spouse or some type of business partner to just cheer for you. And frankly, if nobody's cheering for you because they don't really know, then cheer for yourself. But, you know, as you're going through these changes, you've just got to understand that there's a huge opportunity out there on the buyer side and the seller side. And it's beneficial to both people, but you just you really just have to, to get started. So, um, I mean, that would be my recommendation is just to understand the opportunity on both sides and try to take advantage of it. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of small steps. Just keep taking small steps. And it's amazing over a period of 10 year, five, 10 year period, what that'll add up to if you're always making progress. So just, it doesn't have to be large. Just take a small step. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, it's never too early to start, right? Like, I mean, you can start well before 10 years. I mean, we've years. talked about how are we going to get, you know, right. we just yeah. bought the business. We're like, how are I we going to, you know, like. That's 20 years, but we have that discussion. So, yeah, start. It's, it's a part of, I mean, it affects decisions that we make today, right? right. So, yep. I mean, that's why it's important to do that. And I would say reach out, right? Like you're not, if you've never done it before, if you don't have any experience with it, don't think you got to learn everything about it. There's plenty of professionals that do it all the time. Or to me, if I'm from the outside looking in, that's a benefit of teaming up with somebody like RFG. If I can transition my business itself to a better place and then get help with all the stuff that has nothing to do with my business mm -hmm. and collaboration and thought leadership and all that um you know reach out get ideas brainstorm there's a lot of you might just be if you think you can't make the succession happen i promise you there's another way to make it work it's just probably one that you're not seeing mm -hmm. but as you collaborate get other people involved get other opinions perspectives involved sometimes that stuff opens up i feel like that's what happened with us yeah, we came, remember we came to the, to the, uh, I guess that initial, I say initial with, with Rick and we were like, we got an idea. What if we cut our personal pay and we just do it like as a team? And Rick's like, I mean, that would be like exactly what we would want, but nobody ever like, who's willing to do that? We're like, we are, but we, that wasn't the journey we started on. Yeah. We were trying right. to figure out what payout would be comparable and how are we going to, and it was very simply, no, put everything in a pot, right. take the percentage and work together as a team. And and anyway, so even yeah. that changed halfway through yeah. the- uh, It did, yeah. It just yeah. seems so simple now, but- such a big part of it. You've got to have that flexibility. Yeah. As you're thinking about, you know, you can't be rigid in these decision-making. Oh, yeah. It really is like the art of the possible. Yep. Open lines Definitely. of communication, keep the, uh, the flexibility as you're thinking about structuring a deal as you're thinking about all the moving pieces like and it's not yeah. going to be perfect and yeah. the, right. and what you start on day one is not going to be what you end with true. right well, it's true it's too complex it's too complex which is just leads to why you would the more time that you can give yourself to work on it the better the more you can get 
other professional involves, I mean, professionals involved to make sure you do it right the first time, the better. I mean, it just, uh, and it's important, right? Again, if you put your life into something, take as much care as you've taken for the last 20, 30, 40 years, put a little bit of time into that part of it. It's a big piece of the whole, the whole thing, right? Yeah. You know, making sure that's a success for everybody involved. To kind of quote Tommy to end it, I guess, is, you know, it's got to be mutual. Just remember, it's a buyer and a seller. It's got to be mutual uh, for everybody. And as he says, you know, if it's not symbiotic and everybody doesn't benefit, then it's, it's doomed to be just temporary, right? So it's yeah. going to fail. So just keep that in mind. That was one of his best and yeah. most frequent. He's uh, like, if it doesn't work for everybody, it's going to fail. And that that is 100% the truth. And, yeah. um, you know, we're all winning we, or we're all losing. Yep. Yeah. 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 On that note, I think that's a mic drop. This was fun. This yeah. was fun. Thank you, Thanks Shannon. for being here. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guest nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest, they do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC. RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.